Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preacher and the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause our lives and cause us to live our lives into the praise of him. With the same announcements as this morning, a reminder that the funeral of our late brother Hank Hoosinger is scheduled for 9.30am tomorrow in Rockingham Regional Memorial Park, followed by the service here in this building at 11am. This afternoon's service will be led by Reverend Salmon, Minister of our sister church in Kelmscott. And before we commence, let us sing together hymn 29, verse 1. and sisters, please rise. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to God's greeting from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, O my God and King. Psalm 145, verse 1. sisters, we sang together that one age will to the next proclaim the story of God's great deeds, his acts of might and glory. Let us do so together with the church of all times and places by professing our faith in his triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us do it by singing him one.
Let us not pray. Our Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you. We go together at your church of all times and places, profess our undoubted Catholic Christian faith. We thank you that you give us that faith, that faith by which we believe that you are our God and our Father, and that your Son is our Lord and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that it is through your Holy Spirit that we have faith, that we are being renewed day by day in the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may trust in you, depend on you, that we may know that your Son is seated at your right hand, and that from there, and through him, you rule everything. He, the head of his Christian church. Father, we thank you for that wonderful gospel that we may have, that we may receive, even though we live in a world in which many deny it, in which many want to go on their own ways and create their own gods, but we know the truth. And we may have confidence in you and your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And give us then also this afternoon that we may have the confidence to not only profess that faith, but also to let it come into our hearts, to fill our lives, to live according to that word, and that we may show in our deeds as well that we belong to you and to your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we may confess also in our deeds, in our entire lifestyle, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Father, bless us when we listen to the preaching of your words. Bless the preaching, strengthen us by it. Bless us also when we respond to your word and worship you in all that we do during this worship service. Bless us also when we teach and admonish one another in our psalms, our hymns, our spiritual songs, that in everything we may be built up and your name may be glorified. Father, hear our prayer in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon we will read from Romans 8, verse 18 to 39, to the end of the chapter. And I proclaim to you the word of God as it is summarized by the church in Lord's Day 19. That speaks about Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. So we will read first from Romans 8, verse 18 to 39. Now we read the word of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, 
for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it, is, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So far the scripture reading, let us now sing from Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is also prophecy of the Victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let us sing from Psalm 110, all six verses.
Let us now read Lord's Day 19 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 533 of the Book of Praise. In Lord's Day 18, the Catechism first explained what we confess when we say he ascended into heaven. And then in Lord's Day 19, the Catechism continues, Why is it added and sits at the right hand of God? Christ ascended into heaven to manifest himself there as head of his church, through whom the Father governs all things. How does the glory of Christ our head benefit us? First, by his Holy Spirit, he pours out heavenly gifts upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends and preserves us against all enemies. What comfort is it to you that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead? In all my sorrow and persecution, I lift up my head and eagerly await as judge from heaven the very same person who before has submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake and has removed all the curse from me. He will cast all his and my enemies into everlasting condemnation, but he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into heavenly joy and glory. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems like every country has its special day. Australia has Australia Day in January when we celebrate that on the 26th of January in 1788, the first fleet from Great Britain landed at Sydney Cove. And that became Australia Day, on which we celebrate Australia. The Canadians among us will know that the 1st of July is Canada Day, and Americans have the 4th of July as Independence Day. And so every country, almost every country, has has their special days. Also, many countries have lots of things to remember. We have memorials here in our own country to remember on Anzac Day and all the events that are being remembered. And every country has it as well. They remember. There's a lot to remember. It is good to remember what happened in the past. If you don't know your history, you will be forced to make all the same mistakes as were made in the past. But if you do know your history, you can learn from it and prevent those mistakes from happening. However, what is remarkable with all those Remembrance Days is that we remember things from the past. And we can't say much about the future. We can celebrate Australia Day, but we don't know how long Australia will still exist. But when we look at our Lord Jesus Christ, his Ascension Day, then things are different. Yes, his ascension did happen in the past. But when we remember Ascension Day, then with that we also look forward. And that's what Lord 18 already said. We look forward to Jesus Christ uniting us with him. That we will be united with him in heaven at the wedding feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And he sends us his spirit as counterpledge by whose power we seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand, right hand of God and not the things that are on this earth. So we are not looking at the past. We are not looking at things that are on this earth. 
we look at the presence where Christ is seated at God's right hand. And there he is ruling as king over all creation. And that is the certainty which we have. No country can have any certainty about its future, but we as people of God, people of our Lord Jesus Christ, have the certainty that we will exist until the end of the world and also thereafter in eternity because Christ has chosen his church to be his bride and he is preparing his bride to be with him and share in his victory. As long as Christ doesn't come back, the church will remain on this earth as the body of Christ, but our head is in heaven and he will protect his body. And that's a gospel that I may proclaim to you this afternoon, which the church has summarized in, Lord say, 19, and I proclaim it under this theme. We confess Christ seated at God's right hand as king over all creation. And then we consider in the first place Christ in heaven. In the second place, Christ's church as his body on earth. And in the third place, the glorious future of Christ's church. And with these three points, we follow the three questions and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism. So we confess Christ seated at God's right hand as king over all creation. We consider in the first place Christ in heaven. Question and answer 50. When you look at the cross, if you go to a Roman Catholic building and look at the cross that the Roman Catholics have in their building and compare it to the cross that you see on Reformed churches, then there is a difference. Do you know the difference? Have you noticed that difference? A few months ago in, in, in April, I was traveling around in, in, in Europe and, and uh, we looked at certain, several cathedrals several church buildings, Reformed and Roman Catholics, and then it is quite clear, if you enter a Roman Catholic church building, you see a big cross there in the front, and on the foot of a cross you see an altar. But on that cross you always see the body of Jesus Christ. If you come to a Protestant church, a Reformed church, you won't see that there. The Protestant church, they have the empty cross. The cross is symbol of Christ's suffering and death, but the suffering is in the past. Christ is no longer on the cross. But the Roman Catholics, they still have the body on the cross. They still believe that the sacrifice of Christ has to be applied every time again on the altar to the believer. The bread changes into the body of Christ and the blood, the wine changes into the blood of Christ. So the cross, how the cross is symbolized in, in, in the, the Roman Catholic Church buildings, it does have, that is a result of, of their doctrine. Their belief that the sacrifice has to be continued. That's also when you tra- travel through Europe and visit all those cathedrals, it is just about every cathedral in every big city, they have a treasury. And now I didn't visit those treasuries, but one time we visited the treasury of, of Austria, the, the royal treasury. But even there, you found in the treasury a lot of relics. Lots of, of things that have remained from the Lord Jesus Christ, his suffering and death, his cross, or from the apostles. And I saw in the royal treasury in, in Vienna something that was supposed to be a little part of the cross and also one nail of the cross. And even worse, they also had a relic which was supposed to be the tooth of St. Peter, of a part, piece of the hairlock of, of John the Baptist. Well, I don't have much confidence that it's a true thing that they showed there, but, but they believed in it. It was important for them, it was valuable for them. And they thought that having such a holy thing connected them with the past, with what happened in the past. But that is so symbolic for the whole Roman Catholic doctrine. They still live in the past. They still live in a time that reconciliation has to be made. They are seeking the things which are on earth, the holy things. They worship them, and in that way they seek to get reconciliation. 
But the Bible teaches us that that is so totally wrong. Because in that situation, you are going to worship the relics. And we see that already in the Old Testament. You know that Moses had to make a bronze serpent in a desert so that all those who looked at the serpent will be saved from the fiery serpents which were killing many in the desert. Well, this serpent was kept by the Israelites, was kept in a temple, and they even started worshipping this serpent. And then we read about that in 2 Kings 18, verse 4, about Hezekiah. Hezekiah removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. So they made it a god and worshipped this god, thinking that they did a service to the Lord. And there the Lord teaches us that if that is the case, then even those things which are created to remember, but have become objects of worship, they have to be destroyed. We should not put our trust in them. That's also the reason why the Lord decided that in the year 70 the temple had to be destroyed. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. But it was not sufficient for the Jews. They repaired it and they continued worshipping in the temple. And then God said in the year 70, let it be destroyed. And the Romans destroyed the temple. But that is even with the original documents of the Bible. We don't have the original books of Moses. We don't have the original documents of the Gospels, of the letters of Paul. We don't have any of the original documents. We do have the text under God's care and providence. The text has been handed over faithfully. And that's how we have the Bible. The text of the Bible is important, but not the original documents. And therefore they are destroyed, so that we would not worship them. If they would exist, then I'm sure that the Roman Catholic Church would have offered lots of money to have them. But thanks be to God that we don't have them. We don't focus on the past, but we focus on the reality on Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. And that's also what we hear every time when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we should not focus on the symbols of bread and wine, but our hearts on high. Look at Jesus Christ. And that is what the Reformed Confession always maintained. Christ is not on earth. Christ is seated at God's right hand, and there he has to be worshipped. The sacrifice is finished. The victory has been obtained. And the victory does not depend on us. We don't have to fight that battle anymore. Christ fought the battle and Christ won. And that is what we have to remember always. We are justified in Christ. It's not a process that still has to come to completion. But through his sacrifice on the cross, we have been justified. We are still being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, but we have been justified. We are not being justified by our, by our own good works, as the Roman Catholics believe. But we live now in a time of victory. Christ has obtained the victory. And now he sends out his disciples, his apostles, his church, to proclaim to all the world that to him is given all authority, in heaven and on earth. In Romans 10, verse 9, there Paul says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will not be saved by fighting the war against Satan. You will not be saved by doing many good works. But if you believe, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved faith. Receive what God gives you in his word. The forgiveness of sins and eternal life. The reconciliation. And therefore, that is a big difference between the Roman Catholic doctrine and the Reformed doctrine. The Roman Catholic doctrine is in fact a totally different doctrine. It does not have a few errors, but it is a totally different religion. 
we believe that Jesus Christ is seated at God's right hand. The Lord our God, our Father in heaven, he governs all things, and he does so through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the head of his Christian church. And head and body form a unity. That's what Lord say 18 already confessed in, in Christian answer 49. We are his members. We belong to him. In Romans 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Brothers and sisters, the church does not depend on us. Sometimes you may think it, that if we don't do our part, if, if we don't work hard, and, and if we don't hold fast to the old traditions, then the church may go down a slippery slope. And if you look at history from time to time, it did happen. But we also see through history time and again that Christ is faithful. He protects his church. His church will continue from the beginning of the world to its end. We do not build the church. The church has no earthly head. We don't have a head here over the entire Christian church on this earth. No. There is no hierarchy. Christ is our head, seated at God's right hand, the head of his church. And with that we reject any and every hierarchy, whether it's Roman Catholic or or any other hierarchy. God gives his office bearers to the local congregation, and there it ends. And every local congregation works together with other local congregations and do things together and make agreements together, but the authority which Christ has given to the local congregation is the office bearers who represent the head of the church, Jesus Christ. So we have no authority on earth except that is given by Christ to the church that are the office bearers. Christ rules from heaven. And wherever you go on this earth, and and you can visit many churches all over this earth, and, and there are many churches, more than we know, more than we have sister churches, and you can visit churches all over the earth, and you can meet Christians, and every time when you do so, you're amazed. That so many Christians all believe in the same Christ and have the same Bible and believe the same about salvation. And that is because Christ is the head of his church. And we are all connected with Christ because we are all part of his body. And all those who are part of his body are governed by the same spirit. And this same spirit works the word of God in us. Where the word of God is proclaimed, there the spirit works. The spirit works faith, and by faith we believe the word of God. Therefore, the church is in the center of the whole world history. Christ is the head of the church, and God, through him, governs all creation. So the head of the church is working in his entire creation to let everything work together for the building of his church. Everything must contribute to the building of you as congregation and to us as church, as the Holy Catholic Church on this earth. Think about it. When God causes wars to start or wars to end, it, is, it has as purpose to build his Christian church. When God makes things happen all over this earth, whether it is a change of government or unrest in countries like America and other countries, or whatever happens, it is all part of God's plan to build his church, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also, as church, stand in this world, not as Anabaptists, not as seeing this world outside the walls of a church as evil, corrupt, and going to destruction, 
but we see the world as a field where the authority of Christ must be proclaimed. Go then to all nations. Instruct them. Teach them. Make them to my disciples, Christ says. And baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is what the Church of Christ does today. And with that we come to our second point, Christ's Church as his body on earth. Question answer 51. As king, he sent out his heralds to go over all the earth. And also now the church is on this earth, as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. The chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into your marvelous light, into his marvelous light. That is what we proclaim to this world. We don't keep it for ourselves. We proclaim it to the world. He makes all nations, or he he tells us to make all nations to his disciples, to become his followers. And wherever the word of God goes, there it forces the people to a choice. Those who reject it and those who accept it. Those who believe it, they become Christ's disciples. Those who reject it, they will be forced at Christ's return to believe it, but then it is too late for them to be saved. But now, as long as Christ doesn't return, the the, the church stands in this world to proclaim to this world that the world is Christ's, that to him is given all authority in heaven and on earth, and therefore everyone who lives on this earth must believe it. And therefore we go out in the world, not as Anabaptists, not shunning the world, But we go out in this world because the world belongs to God. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. And everyone who lives in it, dwells on it, belongs to the Lord. And at the moment, Christ is working to subject this world to him by his teaching, by convincing them by the preaching and by his spirit. He brings peace to this world, this world which is filled with war and unrest. But if this world rejects him, then at the end he will not come with peace, but he will come with judgment. And all those who have not believed will be judged. And therefore we will preach Christ in whatever way God gives us the opportunity. Christ, our head, is seated at the right hand of God. We, his body on this earth, will represent him, will proclaim him, even if it means by our suffering. Christ tells us to take up our cross and to follow him. And with that, we give a testimony to the world. We are united with Christ, with his body. It's important to realize that we are not taking up Christ's cross. We follow his example, but we do not take up his cross, but our own cross. Because Christ's cross is empty. It is finished. The work of reconciliation has been done. It is finished. But now we take up our own cross, our own suffering. As part of his body, we will suffer as well. And as such, we live in righteousness and holiness. We do not participate in evil deeds of the peoples of this world. But we live in holiness before God. And on this earth, that will mean suffering because of the power of sin. But during our suffering... And in all that is happening, we focus our attention on Jesus Christ. Our suffering is not his suffering. But our suffering does give a testimony to this world. We are preaching by our suffering. We are proclaiming to this world that we don't deem all the wealth of this world worthy to live for, but we are willing to suffer because we do not want to give up the treasure which we have in heaven. The world may see the hope that is in us. And when they see us suffer for that hope, they will ask questions. And you are called to always be willing to give an account of the hope that is in you. In Acts 5, verse 41, we see that the apostles, after they had been flogged by the Sanhedrin and they were let go, they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Christ's name. And that is what we as Christians are willing to do if it 
means suffering for us, we will do it if only Christ will receive honor and glory. But it is not only in suffering. It is also in many different ways. In our daily living as Christians, uh, that we give a testimony. Christ pours out his heavenly gifts upon us, his members, by his Holy Spirit. We have received the fruits of the spirits as they are being described in Galatians 5. We live in peace with our neighbor. We, we are long-suffering. We are gentle. We have received all those gifts of the Spirit, and it will be visible in our lives. We are different from the world. And in that, we show that we are the body of Christ. And with that, brothers and sisters, Ascension Day is not a memorial of something in the past. And we as church are not standing in this world to hold on to something from the past, to something from a previous age, as so many in this world want to make us believe. But we as church hold fast to the truth, to the reality that is now. Even though we cannot see it, we know it by faith. We are living witness of what is Christ our head, seated at God's right hand. And then while doing so, we may also look forward to the glorious future of Christ's church, that in third place. We may receive the comfort in all suffering and persecution, that we may lift up our head. That's what the Catechism says. I lift up my head and eagerly await as judge from heaven the very same person who before has submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake. Again, I lift up my head. And that is what you are encouraged to do every day again. When you rise up, lift up your head to heaven where Christ is seated at God's right hand and begin your day a servant of Christ, with looking at him, depending on him. We don't look at relics. We don't need pieces from the past to remind us of the work of Christ. But we look at Jesus Christ. And then we don't look either at all the threats of Satan in this world. Because that is not the truth. What this world tells is not the truth. What Satan proclaims is not the truth. Satan is the great deceiver. But we lift up our head to see Christ in heaven. That is the truth. Christ seated at God's right hand. And with that, our victory is not uncertain. It is not that we have to wait and see if it all will happen, but we know that the victory has been obtained in the past when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. That is the reality. And that's the great reality which we may know. Christ at God's right hand. And he, the Catechism says, he is our judge. It is not this world which will judge. It is not the Inquisition in the time of the Reformation that will judge. It is not the courts here in our country that, that will judge us. No, Christ is our judge. And if he does not condemn and who else can? He came because he loved us. And his desire is our sanctification. To make us holy, to set us apart for him as his beloved bride. He suffered to take away from us our sins. And with that he made us righteous. We are righteous now. And it's a certainty which we have, brothers and sisters. We now, here and now, at this very moment, have the forgiveness of all our sins. All our sins have been removed, and, and God will no longer remember them. As far as the east is removed from the west, God has removed our transgressions from us, and he will not bring them back. The cross is past, and the cross is empty. It is finished. Our sins have been paid for. Our sins have been covered by Christ's life in righteousness, as Lord 14 teaches us. And it is our certainty he will not bring up again our sins. Not even on the last day. He came to remove them. And the result of the removal of our sins is that we are reconciled with God here and now. On this earth. It's not for the future, but it is now. You live in peace with God. And you don't need to fear anything that will disturb that peace. 
You don't even need to fear that your sins will be remembered on Judgment Day, because that is not true. In Lord's Day 23, question and answer 60, there the Catechism will confirm that again. If you look at the third part of question and answer 60, it is there about the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and the holiness of Christ. There the Catechism says, He grants these to me as if I had never had nor committed any sin, and as if I myself had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for me. And that's a reality. As if I never had or committed any sin. And the reality will not change. And when Christ returns, he will vindicate us. And he will show us to the whole world as those who have been righteous, those who are righteous, those who will inherit this creation. And that's important to remember. And in Romans 8, verse 1, there, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And verse 37, Though in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are now. And there are many more texts in the Bible which confirm that. And because of that, because of that certainty which we have now, the Belgian Confession can also say so beautifully in Article 37 that their innocence will be known to all. That's the promise which we have, which, which Christ will make clear to the whole world. Our innocence will be known to all. The world will not see us as the ones who are lucky, the ones who have committed the same sins, but they got forgiveness and the world does not know. The world will see us as the ones who are innocent, who never had nor committed any sins. And that is the certainty of our Lord Jesus Christ, seated at God's right hand. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. He will be our judge. And when he sees us, he will say, well, your name is written in the book of life. You are righteous. Go into the kingdom of my Father, Matthew 25. And those who believe, they will be crowned with glory and honor. The day of vindication, when Jesus Christ returns, he will make known our good deeds. He will show publicly our innocence. And that is the day that we look forward to. And when we remember Jesus Christ, we also see him seated at God's right hand, and we expect him to come again on the last day. And then on that day, the marriage feast of the Lamb will begin because, her bride will be because the bride has made herself ready for Jesus Christ, waiting for him to come. Brothers and sisters, let us live in that expectation of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the word of God from Psalm 68. God shall arise and by his might put all his enemies to flight. Psalm 68, verse 1, 2, and 8.
Father in heaven, again we come before you to praise your holy name. You are an awesome God, the almighty God, the God who works in wonderful ways, who worked a salvation for us, your people, what no human mind had ever conceived. It surpasses our understanding, but it is true. Your Son, our Savior, who assumed human nature, who came to suffer and to die in our place, who rose from the dead and defeated the power of death, of sin and Satan, and who now redeemed us to be your people. And now we may stand before you in righteousness and holiness because of his work. And we praise your holy name for that. And we pray, Father, fill us with your spirit so that we never cease to praise and glorify you in our words, in our thoughts, also in our deeds, in the whole way in which we live in this world, that we may be a living testimony to those living around us, and that the word may go out to this world that there is salvation for all those who believe in Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that, you, that we know that you, is, you are using everything on this earth to build your church, so that we do not need to fear, do not need to fear the threats of this world, do not need to fear all the uncertainty and the fear of the world. But we may look on high, lift up our hearts to where Jesus Christ is seated at your right hand. Father, give us then that as your church, also here in Southern River, we may stand firm, that we may be united in faith. Be then with all those whom you have called to lead your congregation. Bless the minister in his task, Reverend Poppy in his task, to preach and teach and lead this congregation in your ways. Bless the elders to be true shepherds over this flock which you entrusted to their care. Give them wisdom to lead them and to be a good example, to rule over them. Father, be with the deacons. Give them also that they may receive all that they need, that they may receive your Holy Spirit, but that they also may receive from us as congregation all the gifts that are needed to provide help to those in need. And that they may also encourage us as your congregation to be active, to help and encourage each other wherever there is need. So there is no, that nobody lives uncomforted under pressure of loneliness, sickness, or poverty. Father, you have given us so many blessings. We may rejoice in that. Will you bless us above all, that we all may be united in the one true faith and trust in you, our God and Father, and in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and wait with eager longing for him to return on the clouds of heaven, the great day, the last day, that the marriage feast of the Lamb will begin and we in eternity may reign with him over all creatures. Father, we pray with the church of all times and places, come Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you may give your offerings of thankfulness, which are for the mission work in PNG. And then thereafter, let us then sing hymn 41, Christ above all glory, seated, King triumphant, strong to save. Hymn 41, all three verses, after you have given your sacrifices to the Lord.
Brothers and sisters, receive now the blessing of the Lord and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.